Right, you're talking ish. Explain yourself. Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wablo, welcome to the Chatting Ish podcast, episode three of season two. Um, I'm back, and it's only been a week since the last episode, so I think that's a that's quite an achievement. Normally, it's longer. Um, as you know, we've been quite inconsistent over the last few months, and I'm trying to keep this consistent. So um, we're back, and we've got a new voice in your ears. This esteemed gentleman, this very, very popular, very sought after, uh, well respected <laughs> voice in London. In fact, I should I shouldn't even restrict it to London. I should, I should 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 open it to the whole world. Known from all over the world, well travelled, well known. Um, Mr. Socialized Media himself, Emil. How are you, sir? I am okay, thank you. And for the record, I must say. That all you've done is describe yourself. You are my role Whatever. Model. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. We're gonna life goals. Whatever. We're gonna get into it, and then we're gonna we're gonna break down how how loved how how well loved this person is, and I, he's my role model, and I just yeah. Anyway, um, so okay, Emil, we're gonna get into the reason why you're on this podcast, but for now, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Give us a little short origin story about you my my very short origin story is my name is emil and thank you for welcoming me to chatting ish um born and bred south londoner decided to travel a bit and then decided to go down a path of becoming a filmmaker um i started pretty much like yourself i like people i like talking to people i like hanging with people i used to do parties way 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 back in the days and I've got to know a lot of people. And it just so happens that a lot of these people are now really influential. People like yourself, people like, anyway. you know, Dylan Kings at Sony, big up for his new deal. There's people like Shorty Blitz, who used to roll with did on Kids for like nearly 20 years, big up Shorty. All those guys. And we've just grown and grown into a network, including yourself, that we've just gone on and we're just doing stuff. Okay, so see, here's the thing. Now, I've known you for a while, and I was thinking about this yesterday. Even though I've known you for a few years, this will probably be our longest ever conversation we've had because being the man that you are, the, the, the man that is in serious demand, you don't hang around for long. So when, whenever I see you, it's always in passing, usually at an event, and, and it's, it's, it's for anything from five to 10, maybe 15 minutes. So this will potentially be our longest conversation ever in life. <laughs> So um, I was going to say, I didn't know you did parties. I really didn't know that you actually put on parties. Yeah, I started, I, well, I'll give you a point of history. Myself um, and some other cats, Jamal, Damien, we got together years and years and years ago and started doing parties. We did house parties and we would literally look for empty houses, get in these houses, have the parties. It was, and it was like crazy. Sometimes there'd be no water in these properties. There'd be no electricity. You'd have to put the water on. You'd have to put the electricity on. You'd have to tidy up. You'd have to make a bar. And then you'd have these parties. And then sometimes it went great. Or sometimes you get to the house with the set and someone's moved into the house. Oh, man. <laughs> and you're like, you have to find another house in an hour and all that kind of crazy stuff. So we started from there. And then we were like, yeah, this is highly illegal. And then the Criminal Justice Act came in and it was just 
yeah, it was too dangerous. So we were like, okay, cool. Um, we moved on to clubs, and we started doing a lot of clubs in East London, a lot of the old ones, like Dougie's, Palace Pavilion, mm. and then we moved to the Rex. And at this point, I was like, yo, I'm, I want to try something else. And I left those guys to it, and they carried on, and they, they, they've grown in their particular field. And I've gone back to, and I just like, I toyed with the parties for a little while, and then I kind of stopped. And then um, picked up videography. Okay. And that's how, in fact, no, I was going to say that's how you sort of crossed my radar, but it's not really. I remember, I think my first time I ever seeing you was Southport. Okay. I want to say Southport because I recall you pulling up in your car and it was a nice car. And I thought, you're, you're, <laughs> you're good for driving all that, all that, this, all, adding all those miles to your car. And, <laughs> and then I remember seeing everyone saying hello to you. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then from that point <laughs> on, I saw you again and again at numerous events. And I can't even recall how we even started speaking. But I mean, I guess it was inevitable because we've got so much, so many mutuals between us. Um, so, yeah. okay. And then and I do recall you doing videos for a lot of, as I said, a lot of my mutual friends. And I think the first video I ever saw of yours was... Um, uh, ricardo's video for his party at departure lounge i can't remember which one it was yes when ricardo big up ricardo obviously yes uh, yeah yeah mo 24 suave and chic and those guys used to be parties as well yeah yeah and i remember seeing that video and it was by far sort of it was levels above everything anything i've ever seen and i and i came from a a a broadcasting background i went to a, a broadcasting university so i when i saw your video I was, I was like, put it this way. I, 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 I thought, Rod, this guy's different. He's, he's, he's pretty much professional level, unlike anything I've ever seen on that scene. If that makes any sense, I was, you know, you, we've seen yeah, professional stuff. Yeah, this was about. Yeah, this was years ago. This, wasn't yeah, it? this is like at the start yeah. of. Well, not at the start. It was sort of like halfway th- during the funky house scene kind of thing. So we're talking yeah. like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, kind of yeah. time period. Um. So yeah, so what was your background? Did you just start, you you, you picked yourself a camera, uh, got a camera and started filming or did you, like, how did it work? Literally, I picked, that's exactly what happened. I I was like, like I was done with the party stuff and I was like, yo, I want to get into this stuff. And you've seen some bits around and then obviously the internet was an in infancy. This was about 1999. I was like, MySpace. why is there no video, yeah, on the internet? And I was like, Oh, wow. So I looked into it. I researched it. One of my boys, Kojo, who worked at ITN, was the first person to turn me on to, like, streams and video streaming and stuff like mm. that. And I researched it. And then with my friend Antoinette, my friend Julian, and Dodd from Studio Express, mm. we set up a website mm. called Tommy Dynamite. And we used to go around all the clubs. I had this really small camera, hardly any light. I had to get torches out and all mm. this stuff. And we used to film these things. I used to cut them off on my computer. They used to take a day to render. Oh, I'd do man, it at I night. And I'd, I'd do the edit and I'd go to sleep. And hopefully, hopefully it would go, in the it morning would make it it had <laughs> Yeah, otherwise that's it. It's another day. You'd have to put another day on and stuff like that. And so we did all that. And then um, eventually, to be honest, I just ran out of money because it was so expensive then. Mm. So expensive to do anything. And I was like, there was no return. Cause it, it, and then the internet kind of bust happened. 
when they realised there was no actual real money in a lot of the stuff yeah. they were doing. Yeah. So like a lot of the people that would say they were going to back us pulled out and all this, and you're like, okay. And then so we just kind of like deconstructed the platform and I left it for a little while. But I always had the bug. I was like, I want to get back into it. I want to get back into it. And I think, yeah, it's Ricardo that hit me up and was like, we need something to do in the club. And I was like, I don't really do it anymore. Mm. And he's like, no, we want it. And he's like, because he's real creative, he sat down and we're like, in that case, let's do something different. Let's just make it far beyond what it was. So, And that's what we did. And it kind of grew from there. Mm. Yeah. And, and um, I, his, that's where that started. What did you start cutting with? Was it was it Premier? It was Premier 1.0, oh, yes. Mate, I hated I Premier back then. I hated it. Like <laughs> I had such bad experiences. Well, it always crashed. Always. Well, yeah, because it was, the, it was... No, actually, that's a lie. I started on whatever video software came with the... my Firewire card. I think it was uh, DVD Plus or some no-name yeah, thing. Yeah, generic thing. Cut it up. Yeah, and then the first one I got was Premier because one of my boys, Stefan, Stefan Gunro was like, are you Premier? I'm like, okay, let me have a go at that. And he got me a copy. And um, we literally, I just started practicing, practicing, practicing. We started a PC, we used to make our own PCs in those days. And I started cutting from that. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And I just started using that, cutting out more and more and more. And then I think iMovie came out just a little bit after that. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I don't really want to use iMovie. And then everyone's like, oh, you need a Mac. You've got to go Final Cut Pro. You've got to get Final Cut Pro. You've got to get Final Cut Pro. You've got to go Final Cut Pro. Mm. And I'm like, okay, all right. And then um, I remember I got, I worked at Sky at the time, and I had an offer where you could buy a Mac, and the money would come out of your wages for tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, so basically it's 50 pounds a month, but you only pay 37 and a half for the rest of the tax and whatever. And so... um. I bought my first Mac, my first Mac laptop, the aluminium one, the G4. And I'm okay. like, yeah, I got G4 now. And then I remember using that and I was like, I didn't have to worry about viruses because we all did it. We had LimeWire and the chick just gave your computer a venereal disease. Mm. And it's just like, couldn't use it properly. And, and so I remember having this Mac and not knowing that I'm never going to get a virus ever again. And I was cutting it and everything just worked. No matter what you plugged in, it just worked. And I was like, this is amazing. So I started on that, and then I got really into Final Cut Pro, went with Apple to took a Final Cut Pro exam. So I got that, some certified Final Cut Pro user, and done a website, my name's on there and everything. And I put the Apple logo on my stuff, and I'm like, yeah. And I carried on from there, really. Okay, so we jumped ahead. How did you go from picking up a camera and trying a thing on the side to working at Sky? Well, basically, I... Because what I did for Sky was broadcast support around... 1999, I actually worked for cable and wireless. Okay. And I literally started by putting cable boxes in. Oh, okay, and, um, yeah, installing boxes, yeah. People were nasty. And remember, in them days, you had the big booth televisions that no one cleaned behind. Yeah. Nobody dusty, cleaned behind the, the dust. And it was all just nasty and cobwebs and animals and oh, it was just nuts. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. I had an interest in the technology in the back end and how you break digital TV down. But I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do any of this stuff. So um, I just, like, in my spare time, I'd go online, I'd look up how you did this, how you did that. I remember I joined a forum called Shooting People. Uh, yeah, and I then that was, like, the place to go. That was the place to go for anything that was, like... Um, for all the creatives. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
and they, you get all the advice and everything from there and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. And so you're like, so I did that, and that was my resource, and I learned from there. And then, yeah, one of my boys, Paul Aquaba, from Cut and Paste, and I think he was at oh, Passion TV or one of those. He had, he's got his own TV show station now, anyway. Mm. I know. And um, he's the first brother on the block that had a, a PD-150. And at the time, the BBC was making a lot of their stuff, or a lot of their daytime shows on the camera. Mm. So I was like, wow, I can, I can, like, it was groundbreaking at the time. Mm. So I was like, every week I'd be like, Paul, can I borrow your camera? Can I borrow your camera? And I'd drive to his house in Essex, pick up his camera, drive back, drive it back down again, and just film all Them the stuff. There. And then I had an idea. Yeah, and then that's basically how my transition happened. Okay, so then fast forward, you're at Sky, and yeah, what 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 exactly were you doing at Sky? Just briefly. quickly. At Sky, I was broadcast to Paul. I didn't touch a camera at Sky. Okay. I didn't touch. Yeah, I've worked for every single broadcaster without actually touching the camera. Oh. But um, I, w- I, I made sure that like the stuff went out correctly and the boxes worked correctly and all that kind of stuff. Like the signals went out correctly. So you was an engineer? Yeah, more or less. Okay, okay. Because yeah, no, I, I did something similar. I mean, I was in transmissions after I finished uni. So, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was in a, I was yeah, in a that's gallery hours, for 12 hours, exactly. Yeah, yeah horrible. looking at a screen. Horrible, bro. I don't ever want to watch TV again. Um, listen, yeah, that was the worst thing nine, I could have done. Eight, yeah, yeah. That was the worst thing I could have done because I finished uni, like bright-eyed, excited, gassed, got this opportunity to work for um, uh, uh, France Discovery, um, went there, did a six-month contract, and and then when I left there, I didn't want to do anything with broadcast, like anything broadcast-related. I, I, I... I ran so far in the opposite direction it's the worst thing i could have done to be honest but it, it i ran so far in the opposite direction and i just got a i think at the time i did a market research um job and i just wanted anything that wasn't in no way related to broadcast this is what i mean when people talk about tv it sounds exciting glamorous and, and exciting sexy yeah. and glamorous it's badly paid it's long hours Right, um, you will get talked down to by a twenty-year-old called Poppy, mm. right, and like, and then you realise there's a hierarchy, and you look round and you're like, oh god, and she last week she was in the mail room, and now she's associate producer, and you're like, you put more hours, more work, well, you ain't got nowhere, mm. and it's just yeah, and it's, it's twenty-two grand a year and all that, and you're just like, what, what the hell? It is, it is. When you get into the deep nitty-gritty of broadcasting especially behind the camera, especially on non-production, mm. it's really not glamorous and it's really not sexy. And I, now you've said that, it makes perfect sense. Because I remember that, he's like, yeah, I did a bit myself and all that. And I'm like, oh, why don't you still do it? And now I know why, because that would put you off. Yeah, that put me off, bro. Like, like, and it's, it was such a shame because, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be big-headed. I did have a, I did, ha- I was quite good at post-production. I was, mm. Like, the teacher turned around to me, well, whoa, have you done this before? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I get it. And after that, it just pushed me so far in the opposite direction. And, you know, all this, like, till now, I wonder if, if I went into a job that I enjoyed, like, what, what, what could have been kind of thing? Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'll never forget. It was, I hated those six months. I really, like, I never saw daylight. I literally never saw daylight for six months. I went in and then, because no, there was no point coming out. And I went in and, I, and then I was just in there for six, um, for 12 hours, day in, day out. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, fast forward. So what was the first job that you actually got involved in content creation or production or, or, or any of that? I think it was Tommy Dynamite because obviously I knocked on every door. I do this, I do that. And they were like, later, not interested. Mm. What film school did you go to? Well, actually, Ravensbourne. No. Oh, are you no, asking me for real? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. And then I was, they were like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, so basically, the Tommy Dynamite was my route in. That's why I first learned to create content, content, cut it, have a plan, go with an idea, shoot the stuff, take it home, deliver it by a certain time, mm. upload it by a certain time. That's my first thing in rendering and encoding and all that kind of stuff. So it would have been probably from me deciding this is what I want to do. Okay. And then... Now, I mean, we're going to try to jump forward so we can get to the the, the reason why you're here. Um, so now, so then now, fast forward a few years, you're, you've, you've, I'm, I don't even know half your CV, but I'm sure it's 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 long, <laughs> and it's taken you all over the world. So I mean, talk about yeah. that quickly. Where have you been? For what? And why? And and when? And and well, basically, I've for one off because. For destination stuff, been Jamaica, St. Lucia, Antigua, and then for work, I did a lot of work in Europe with their broadcasters, and that would be in Germany, in um, Amsterdam, and then just little stints here and there all over the shop. And um, yeah, you're just lucky. Some of it is, because some of it was extremely well paid. Some of it was like no good. I remember I went to Nigeria to follow a certain football player. Mm. And um, like, and that was just crazy. Myself, the BBC, the Telegraph, the Sun, and the ITS, and they were all worried because there were some white guys were like, "Oh, is it, it going to be a problem in Nigeria? What do you reckon?" And I was like, "I don't know. I've never been." Like, <laughs> <laughs> You've got and, um, you're black. That's why like, oh, you should know. Yeah, and then do we get extra insurance? And do they speak? I'm like, "Oh, you know what? Go away." Just, and how how did and it they turn come out? And I had a whale of a time. No, it turned out really, really well. But um, the guy, the client, didn't pay me. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, all and that's another thing that. about this job. You, 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 you tend to learn lessons the hard way. Yeah, yeah, no, right. you do. Yeah, this client who remained no name, he was, he was a massive baller. And then for some reason, I don't even know how, he ended up in prison. I don't know where he is now or what he's doing. He's out now, but what he's accused of, and like, I don't, not that he's my favourite person in the world, but you know that he's not really that person. Okay. You're like, yeah, you're stretching. And I reckon that he just annoyed so many people that this has happened, that he, this, this race has well, been engineered for him. You know what I mean? Okay. So, okay. No way for and you have to get like, to right. okay. Yeah, you're like, all right. Okay. But yeah, that was my first place. They went there. That was my first location job where someone actually paid me to leave the country. And that was going to Nigeria. Okay. To shoot this footballer. So you're well traveled. Um, you're well connected. As I said, every like every major event I go, I see this guy, and he's surrounded by people, yeah. like surrounded. And there's there's, there's always lines yeah. to, to speak to this guy. So anyway, I, I can't remember how <laughs> me and you started speaking. Um, I'm sure it was it was a it was a combination of events and and broadcast related. I remember inquiring about um having you film my events after I saw the the yeah. suave and chic video. Um, but that never sort of that never manifested itself. Um, and eventually, we just started speaking. Um, and 
<laughs> I went to, I remember the first birthday event of yours, or the only birthday event of yours, I think I've been to was the barbecue in, in, in West London, which is to this day, oh, yeah. legendary. Like I will never forget. It was you and two other people, big up Q. And it was, it was the second, was it you two? No, it was just it and Q. Oh, it's it you and Q. Q. So you and yeah. Q and yeah, you look. Anyway, I won't spend too long on it, but I, they had a barbecue on top of a, a, a college, and yeah, yeah, my days. But anyway, yeah, we'll leave it there. It was, it was, it was incredible, and I was gutted <laughs> that I couldn't, I couldn't get there earlier because I was, I was coming from another event, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, so I say all this to say that you, you, in this time, you've done your own projects, um, as, as yeah. you know, as, as, as you'd expect. Um, but you've also got a passion for a particular um, lifestyle or, or thing in life. <laughs> and not. and what is that? It's not a life. Well, I just love trainers. I've always, as a kid, I've always loved trainers. And as a big old big man, you'd expect me to get over that. And I haven't. I can't really long story short. I still have not got over my love of trainers. And... Yeah. Basically, I just I, ever since I was young, I like I like these ones, I like that one. Each each trainer has a little bit of history, a little bit of nostalgia, or their design element, or you like, or you remember when you went to your first all day out in knee, or you went to your first rave in knee. Because you have to remember that a lot of times we went out, um, you couldn't wear trainers. Like when I started going out, like my parties, we didn't really want you to wear trainers. We wanted you to make an effort because we knew if you made an effort, the girls would come. So hold on. And that's what we wanted. Even <laughs> even in the abandoned houses, you, you enforced the dress code. Yeah, we were like, come on, make an effort. Don't be wrong, not everyone wore effort. Yeah. Because in them days, some people wearing like disco jeans and, and, and cartini suits. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and click suits. And that's how far when it went. But even then, we still wore Vikings, we still wore ballets. Stuff along with our we, we made effort. Vikings, you know, I had the... yeah, we made an effort. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I remember a few years ago, I was asking you. I was like, this same question that I just, uh, well, the same thing that I just brought up. I asked you in a question. I think it was outside Got Soul one time. I said, "Bro, when are you going to be doing something like? When are you going to make something or something like that?" And then you said, "Oh, I'm doing something on trainers," and that was yeah. a while ago. That was in that in Got ago. Soul's infancy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? yeah. And then and then you know, over the years, I I checked in with you every time I saw you. I was like, okay, so how's this project doing? Oh, it's coming, it's coming. It's take, it costs a lot of money. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Like and and knowing just knowing how in uh, knowing how sort of how many fingers you, you, you have your fingers in a lot of pies and just seeing that and seeing you, you know, one minute you're living here, one minute you're there, one minute you're here. I just, my initial feeling of, oh, this guy's chatting. This just, this guy's just chatting. This thing's never going to come out. Eventually turned into, you know what? I get it. His schedule's crazy. I don't even know how he's going to make this project happen, but fingers crossed it does happen. Fast forward to 2017 and we start seeing glimpses of this project. Um, so, I mean, I'll give you a, I won't even introduce you. I'll let you sort of break it down. What is this project that is related to your passion of trainers? What, like, break it down for the people. Um, basically, well, yeah, what basically started as a passion was, and again, remember, I go all over the world 
and you speak to other people all over the world. That you talk about, they stop you in the street. Oh, where'd you get them from? How can you know about these? Ah, oh, they're the this or they're the that, and they came out in this, and they're the ones that think war. Mm. And you're like, what? And this is from Japan. This is America. This is Australia. This is Thailand. This is Germany. This is France. This is Amsterdam. And they're like, ah, and you get people like nodding, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a mutual appreciation. And you're like, wow. And then I'm like, yo, we, we need to document this. Because I make, I actually make films for two reasons. One, because I love trainers. And two, is that, and it sounds a bit deep, but black people culturally, historically, get written out of things. All the right? time. History is written by the winners. You get written out. Unless you put your foot down, you, by any cultural experience, will just get written out of history. And um, so I wanted to market. So no matter what happens, I was the first person that made this product, that put this out there, so you know the faces that made up this, this thing, and you knew the people that were actually involved. Because all that will happen is a ginger dude from Shoreditch will make this, <laughs> and he'd be building as the guy, and he'd be the go-to guy, and he'd be the one on ITV talking about this brand new phenomenon. And you're mm. like, and imagine you've got dads and granddads that are into this game. He's changed, he's rubbish. I remember doing this and that from the 70s to the 80s to the present day. You know what I mean? I'm still wearing yeah. shoes that were designed 30 years ago because I love them. All right, so let, let's let's explore this quickly um, a little bit further. So I'm not the biggest trainer head. In fact, I'm not a trainer head. I yeah. I... I just wear trainers. Well, f firstly, I only only f with one brand, and that's Adidas. Like I don't wear anything else. Yeah. Secondly, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not a really big thing, and I only wear a certain type of trainer. I prefer tennis shoes, or yeah, I'm usually yeah. a Stan Smiths or or superstars type of person. Now, yeah. back in the day, I was a trainer head, and I think the last non Adidas trainer I purchased were. Jordans, um, yeah, the black ones with the with the you know the two holes in the. I don't, I don't, see, this is how you how you know I'm not a trainer head, but I don't know the name. Yeah, of it, but you, it's the one with the, 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 the you had the Jordan stick with red. Yeah, the one with the, the two black the, and red ones. Yes, the classic. Like yeah. I love. It. So when I saw them yeah. re-released a few years back, I'm like, yes, like I was. I'm a big fan of that, but yeah. I hate Nike. Anyway, um, so uh, uh, let, like, let's just let's just really bring home the fact that. Back in the day, collecting trainers were not a thing. Like it wasn't like a, there were no hype beasts. There were no cultural phenomena. We, we like people collected trainers and purchased trainers, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, how can I say? It wasn't a thing people subscribed to. People just did it for the love of streetwear. And, yeah, and, there and, was, yeah, there was no term. There was no. You just bought trainers because, as you know, you're growing up in, like, especially growing up in South London, you wanted to look nice. You wanted to wear the latest trainers. Mm. You went to the store, what you got? I like those. I like this. Ah, I saw them in Fresh Prince. I'm going to get them. Or, ah, that's what Daley Thompson wears. They look good. I'll get them. Like, you just literally, what you liked, you went and got. And you'd wear them. Because most, most people in those days, you didn't have a lot of money. So you, all, you had one pair. You battered them to death till they fell apart, yeah. and then you got a next one. Yeah. It was a, it was a more it was a different kind of society. That's what you did. Same and way you have your one shoes for going out. You'd have your one trainers for special. You'd have your one trainers for every day. Yep. And yep. it just you just rotate through exactly what it is. And and we like, have to at school, you have your trainers and you're going out trainers. And then when you have just done that school, you bring out your new trainers. So 
and we sort of we need to stress that the trainers were the currency to being cool or being accepted almost in certain yeah. groups like if you had yeah. the right trainers you were cool like you were in that was your your yeah. passport into certain certain places literally yeah literally and you start having names you're like blah blah with the caution ah oh, that brother from south with them with it. like you, that's how you identify you know what i mean mm. and then each person would be like rather than everyone get the same shoe you'd be like ah oh, you know what you got the blue ones i'm getting a red one i'm getting a green one i'm getting a there was a kind of thing where it was a uniform but with slight differences slight nuances so all your crew might wear Reebok Classics, but next man's got Ripple Soul, Winter Green, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Your whole crew might wear um, Air Max One, but he's got the green ones, he's got the blue ones, he's got the red ones. So you just kind of do things differently. But now it's all kind of homogenized. And some of that is down to the way we're sold shoes. Some of that is down to globalization. Whatever shoe you get, I can buy the same shoe that comes out today in London, I could buy in Taiwan tomorrow, New York the same day, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's not much variations anymore. Before, you'd get trainers that only came out in France. In certain only markets, France, yeah. Only for yeah. London. Only for this. And then, you remember growing up, you had the shoe shop. You had the trainer shop, and you had the shoe shop. The shoe shop that sold, like, the big man shop sold suits, mm. and they sold churches and loaks and DMs. And then they have a certain, like, Adidas shoe in there, or a certain special set of, like, like big man trainers that you wouldn't get in your Olympus or your Cobra and all of that. Oh, but wow. all that's oh, gone now. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah yeah. 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 So it's all, it's all kind of different. So yeah, you're right. From when you're young, you just did it because you were, you were all about looking good and you were all about what you like. And it was down to an individual style as well. Yeah. There was a general kind of makeup of it all. But yeah, you you wanted you were you were buying chippy, you were buying nap nap, you were buying chevignon, and you wanted the trainers like and the trainers ticked off your outfit, right? Bang. So even if you were in a pair of no name jeans or maybe like an indiscriminate jacket, whatever, as long as you had the banging trainers on, you were good. Yeah, your whole outfit worked. Yeah, you just reminded me of something. Remember Frank Johnson's in Brixton? Yes, I do remember Jeez. Frank Johnson. Well, I used to stare at the window. Yes. And I was told to come away from there. Nothing in there for you. Oh, my mum, get out. Yeah, but no, shut up. I think shut the up. last, the last. Don't learn a book. I think I bought my Jordans from there, if I'm not mistaken. And then the last ever pair of non-Adidas trainers were either the Jordans or a pair of green Nike CrossFit. And yeah, that was in, yeah. that was from there. Um, all right. So you've brought, you've, you've now created this, sh how do we call it? Documentary, short film. It's a documentary, 76 minutes. It's oh. the world's first feature-length documentary on UK trainer black culture. Okay, and it's important to add it's that distinction. the world's first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's important to add that distinction. Sorry, can I mention is... that it's the world's first? Uh, uh, what, what is the world? Really? Yeah. So it's, and, and, uh, uh, it's important to stress that distinction because when you think of trainer culture, immediately you, you go to the States. And in, in a way, it's understandably yeah. so. There, there, there are far more people over there. They, they are that culture is globally recognised. Um, but this yeah. is is UK centric. It's 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 about. I mean, what? Yeah. How do you go into the roots specifically of of British, um, sort of the culture in 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 Britain, or do you go yeah, back and I forth? Yeah, I do. It's all about no. 
No, it, it's this is the main crux is Britain. I go up and down the country. How the Londoners are doing it. How the Northerners are doing it. How okay. Scotland are doing it. How people in Wales are doing it. Um, but basically, if you go back to the seventies and eighties, there was a straight racial divide in the country. So basically, the white boys would go and they'd play football and they'd kick seven bells out of each other, and the black boys into reggae and dub and all this stuff. And even then, the way they dress, you look at Bob Marley. Bob Marley always had Adidas dragons on, always. Okay. Like, do you know what I mean? From, like, you look at him, he's head-to-toe Adidas all the time. Do you know what's crazy? And, um, and if, if, he, if, if he was around now, the sponsorship deal would have been on a next level. Yep. Man. Yep. Because back and then, they didn't... You have to remember, it's brand... Yeah. I was just going to say... Remember, I was Nike, just... didn't mess, Nike only messed with... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, we've got a bit of a delay. That's why we we're pausing. But yeah, I was just going to say, back then, they didn't really do sponsorship deals for anyone except like the top, top, no. top sportsmen. I think Jordan was like yep. groundbreaking. Um, and then yep. that's it. I mean, now you, you can be an influencer and, 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 and have some type of sports deal. You can be a musician and get some type of sports, but yep. you can be a comedian and get a sports deal. But back then, you had to be yep. like the best not, not only in your in specific sport but just in it just just you just had to be a worldwide um world recognized name kind of thing in sports full stop um so anyway sorry i i i, I interrupted you go ahead no you're right you're right basically yeah because nike only met with athletes and this literally didn't change to a few years ago but adidas were the ones that looked beyond the athletes like with your run DMC and mm. oh, yeah, of course yes, 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 yes. realise that they yo like if I put this guy in my stuff he looks cool because you have to remember for a long while Nike wasn't cool Nike was for white joggers because the guy that started it Phil Knight was a white jogger and Bill Barman his business partner was a was an athletic coach that's all they cared about they didn't care about runners and they only cared about like white runners right suburban runners they didn't really like have a bigger market than that whereas people latched onto adidas like the various moves and shakers if you look at one point in time you will see every icon from the 60s to the 90s in adidas from the rolling stones to bob marley to peter Tot, to all these guys they were only in adidas okay so then so then right. were adidas sponsoring non-sports people back then no, well, I think their, first, their biggest deal was Run DMC. Yeah. But before, they'd be looking out for musicians and they weren't so much sponsoring. They were seeding them. They will give them oh, okay. stylists okay. clothes okay. for them okay. to okay. wear okay. and stuff. Or this is stuff they used to pick out themselves. Yeah. And they will just wear them because that was the thing. That was, that was just, yo, that was like, you couldn't. And remember, with all the sports exposure, Adidas was all over all the World Cup. And so people could equate to it. And then they made a lot of women's stuff that women could just wear it. And mm. it's one of the things, and that's probably one of the biggest things in Britain as well. Because then we not only did, because remember, not only were Nike and Adidas big, but you had like Sergio Toshini, Fila, Elise, labels like Lois, Kappa, all these kind of oh, Italian man. labels yeah. that come over and we pair them with our shoes, with our Adidas, with our Deodorants, with our Nike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the football guys had a certain way of dressing and the Rude Boys had a certain way of dressing. And then during the 80s, especially with the exploring hip-hop came to Britain, then it morphed 
basically into a different type of wear. It like it, it's a combination of many things: hip hop culture, rave culture, um, the riot act. Like all these things that basically made it illegal to punch up at the football stadium. Mm. So people had to do different things. So then did you... And they literally morphed from fighting into race. So when, so. when in doing your research and, and, collect, and you know, curating and, yeah. and collecting everything for this film, did you, did you discover anything new or shocking sort of in... in, 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 there, in yeah, there were quite a few shocks. For instance, there was, I'll give you an example, just off the top of my head. It's not really Britain related. Michael Jordan played basketball from 1986 to 1996. Mm. He made $96 million in endorsements and deals over, t over a 10, 15 year period. Yeah. yeah. Till he retired. He made $96 million from playing basketball. That's dough. That's peace. Yeah, that's, of course. That's a lot of money that you love. In between 2014 and 2015, he, he made a hundred million dollars on his license of Jordan products alone. Bloody hell! Oh, that's depressing, man. <laughs> right, the world trainer market is worth 45 billion pounds. Yeah. Mm. Out of that, eight billion is from the UK. The UK are the third biggest consumers of trainers in the world. Oh, that's really interesting. We wear a lot of fucking trainers. We wear a lot. That's, no, on a, on a real, a that's lot. crazy. Because when you think and, about it, we're yeah. tiny. There's only, what, 60-something, yeah. just under 70 million people here, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And but, that... yeah, no, we get it in. And then what you've got to realise on top of that is up until 2016 or 17, the biggest seller of trainers in the UK was Sports Direct. Huh? Is that the just because? Is that just because they're like a, they're the largest retailer? They were the people that were selling the most amount of trainers, and only recently, in the past seven or eight months, JD has taken over. Before that, it was Sports Direct. And just just to add context, just to add context for those yeah. uh, some of our international listeners, now Sports Direct is like a how can you describe it? It's like a uh, okay. So like you're, a bargain you're store. yeah. It's like a bargain store. It's it's always it always says closing down or or last last <laughs> last few hours of sales. It, like there's sports directors notoriously known for pretending to close down next week or next month, and they always have the low. They tend to have the lower end of um the trainers trainers that if you bought for your children they'd be like oh, i can't wear these i wouldn't be cool in school kind of thing whereas your sport your jd sports your foot locker there were the upper end they had the upper end of of, of the trainers that you wanted kind of thing so okay but i guess where where sports direct lacked in credibility and cool factor is the fact that they definitely had more stores than everyone else um and their stores were they usually would tend to be sort of almost warehouse size they were big um so okay oh that's 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 all right that's interesting um so okay let's 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 um bring it back to you then what's your favorite trainer i don't have one i've been asked that question so many times it fluctuates one of my all-time favorite. i've got like if i had to pick three all-time favorites they'll probably be the zx8000 and the adidas portion zx8000 okay um the air max one 
definitely, Boo. and maybe Jordan Three, off the top of my head. Which ones are Jordan Three? The white yeah. ones with the. Dude, they're all white. No, all okay. Um, is it the wait? <laughs> see, that's just just more more of me showing that I I'm not a trainer head. Um, all right. Do you? All right. Are they the one with the the cobweb? Mister Sandman. Mister, uh, which one? Uh, called Mr. Sandman by Three Times Stokes. Okay. And the album cover, they're wearing Jordan 3. Or, do you remember the video for My Philosophy by BDT? Oh, bruv, you're going back then. Let, let, me, let me just they're search They're wearing Jordan 3. Um, the cover of... Oh, uh, let's see. What else is there? Um, IT, IT Power album. I think Evil D's wearing Jordan Freeze in there. All right, and, I'm going to Google Im image these sets. Yeah, all, all, they, 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 there's much of many. But, yeah, basically, I'll send you a picture. It's my favorite, one of my favorite Jordan. And then, all right, so... Okay, so those are uh, your three potential favorite trainers ever. What's your most yeah. prized possession? Do you have them? Ah, my holy grail. It was the black cement three jordan which i got a pair they came out the other day and i've always wanted a pair and i've got a pair well everyone got a pair they went on sale in here and they made so many of them but that's the trainer that i love um what else is there there's a couple there's a couple of grails that we call them holy grails as in the epitome of your collection mm. the one mm. that you see it's a term so when you hear them people say my grail is it's the one trainer you want to get it varies it changes because the trainer market is so fast like trainers sell out in seconds, you might really want that trainer for years and you can't get it. Mm. And one of the reasons you want it is because you can't get it. And if it was in a store, you might get it and you have it and then you're probably over it because you've got it. So then... Because you... I reckon maybe 20 or 30... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, if you're aware of, of this, does that stop you from buying? Yes and no. Sometimes, because to be fair, nowadays, Every single trainer you want, you can buy. It just depends on the price. There'll be somebody selling it somewhere. And it might be double what it should be, or triple, or quadruple. Eminem did some collaborations, currently at 20 grand a pair. That's the original Nightmare Mag. Yeah. Yeah. The original Nightmare Mag from Back to the Future, the ones that like Michael J. Fox wore in the film, have just been recently put on sale, and they're $80,000. And going up, they're on auction. My God. And they're falling apart as well. Oh, 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 okay. What, are, are they worn? Or they're just old? Yeah, they're worn. They're the, ones, the same ones. He put oh, the same the actual ones from the film. Okay, old. okay, that's different then. Because that's the just got... That's, yeah, that's got sort of... The, the, yeah, I, all right. I get it, I get it. Um, All right, so... All right, so you've, you've, you've made this film. Um, You're doing selector screenings. What's going on right now, um, Emil? Like, what, what what's happening as we speak in relation to the film? In regards right to the now, film? right right now, I'm running a crowdfunding campaign for the next, which basically ends on in 15 days time. Which I don't know when you're going to put out this podcast. Hopefully, in the next 24 hours. Around mid, yeah, it's around mid July. So by the 15th of July, up until the 15th of July, we're running a crowdfunding campaign. Because we're trying to get the film distributed. I'm trying to get it in more screenings. I'm trying to get it into more festivals. 
I'm trying to get Netflix to pick it up, but all this takes money and promotion. When you make a film, you probably have to spend double or triple of what you made the film for to spend on promotion and marketing. You can make the best film in the world, but if no one actually sees it, then it's no good. Yeah, and 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 that's something I could definitely um, uh, sort of support because I I I I watch I used to watch a lot of films, not so much now, but back in the day, I've always you always come across these films that are incredible, you know, these little little indie art house films, um, and you're like, why why doesn't the world know about this? But and and unfortunately, it's it the film the film industry is is not. It's not based on merit. Like you can have an incredible film, no. but until you have the right backing, um, unfortunately, you're not going nowhere. Now, thanks with the advent of sort of internet and virality, those things are slowly changing. But at the same time, yeah. you're competing with everything else. Like everyone's fighting for attention on online. So, yeah. you know, if, that 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 doesn't guarantee eyes on your on your on your project. So you're trying to you're you're currently in the middle of your crowdfunding, and then and then what's just speak us um through like what what happens next. So you're doing your crowdfunding, and what's what's the aim? What's your ambition in the next few in the coming months? Next coming month is I want to get the film showcased in America as well because mm-hmm. I believe it's got a very large international audience. Because some of this stuff you know already. Some of the stuff you're watching, you're like, oh, I knew that, I'll take for granted. You know that because you lived it. Yeah. But if you're born in America, you've probably got no idea that we're into shoes. The Europeans are probably like, what? Britain food? We're like that as well. Mm. And it's just got, and it, it's about Britain, it's about British urban culture, it's about British youth culture, and it also covers the black experience, and it covers growing up at that time, and it covers the future and beyond, and it covers things like, and it also it covers things like consumerism, and it covers things like why do we do why are the companies pushing so hard, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So my plan is to take it overseas, to give it a global audience, and just watch it grow. Because I'm working on a part two and a part three already. What? But cause, yeah, but because of the journey as a filmmaker, I need those because of course. I literally have spent all my life. I've put my heart and soul into this film. I've spent so much money of your own money and you're like how the hell does this cost so much money okay okay so without without going into too much detail why does it cost so much money because as far as we're aware you can buy a camera a a relatively cheap dslr um, for a certain amount of money get a microphone and just run around and interview people where's the where's the money going yeah i'll give you an example at a base level it doesn't matter what computer you've got you need disk drives you need cards you need hard drives. Mm. You need transportation to get to these places. Sometimes you need to hire locations to film these places. Sometimes you need to get a sound engineer in or someone else to operate a second camera. Sometimes you can't just put whatever music you want in there. Of course. You've got to pay a license for that. You might flash up an image of something else. You've got to pay the license on mm. that. You've got to get people's permission to do everything. You have to transport everything. You have to buy permits. And this is just production. This is before you even pick up a camera. And so um, then you've got to pay to edit stuff. And then not everyone, the whole thing about filmmaking is a collaborative effort. Not You can't make a film just on your own. Yeah. There's various parts and structures into it. So yeah, these people still need paying. Even though they might do it for cheap or for 5% of what they usually charge, 
still got to pay them. And yep. then if you want to show it in a cinema, you've got to pay to get it certified, which is running you on average about five pounds a minute. Wow. So, yeah. So in on that on that note, I just want to commend you for doing this, you know, for for take for for spending so much out of out of what <laughs> out of love out of passion. So I just want to you know commend you for 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 doing such a thing and thank you and thank and you. and big you up, man, because because yeah, I, I, the chances of you getting a, a, a return that that makes you break even, let alone make a profit, is is going to be exactly is not going to be high. Let's be let's be frank. Yeah. So um so well done to you for that um and what can we do to support so so you've given what's the crowdfunded crowdfunding website details or or how can they find right it is yeah basically you can go to igg.me slash ac slash soul people okay igg.me slash ac slash all right so i'm gonna make it easier and for them i'm gonna make it easier for them uh, we're gonna put the link on the on the description but we'll also i'd i'd say if you can you can follow them on instagram and that link should be in the bio right yes you can you can follow me on instagram on facebook on twitter and it's at soul seekers film s-o-l-e S-E-E-K-E-R-S film. So soul as in your foot. Soul, the tra- soul as of your trainer. Your yeah. And then yep. seekers as in seeking. <laughs> seekers. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah. lastly, is there anything that didn't make the, the, the film that you can share with us? There's lots, really. Um, there's lots. For instance, I went and met some guys in Manchester who were starting a video blog. And um, they that kind of imploded, <laughs> and then um, why? There's, there's lots, there's lots, lots. Why did it, why did it implode? Was it what happened? It just because some people like basically in fashion for some reason trainers <laughs> have the most amount of politics, there's the most amount of infighting, and a lot of stuff that goes on, and you're like, what the hell? Because no one's really making that level of money where they can stab anyone else in the back. See what I mean? Mm. And you remember that you're relying on someone else's product to sell yours. If Nike, Adidas, all these guys don't make any shoes, that's it. You've got nothing to talk about. Mm. So it's got to be just deeper than that. And just, yeah, the sheer amount of politics that goes on, you'll be surprised. You're like, what? What the hell? Like, it doesn't make sense. But um, it's a good film. You should watch it. There's not too much I can give away. I should watch, you watch it. it. After I've been waiting watch to watch it for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, four years. Four years. Labour of love. Not doing that again. The next one's taking me six months off. But, really? Yeah. Let's see. Let's. Yeah. You what? You, you heard I, it here first. Let's. I see. know what to do, dude. Oh, you know. Okay. So, so, so is the man, so okay. So the length of time was purely just like inexperience and 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 not knowing the. Well, yeah. You get things wrong. You make mistakes. You wait for people. What was the biggest like, mistake I've you had made? One guy. I waited for this guy to be in the film. I thought he was really important. And I waited two years of him fobbing me off to be in the film. Who yeah. was he? And I, I mean, you don't have to tell us his name, but who, like, what was he? Was he a, a no, buyer? No, he's quite or... an influential guy in the trainer scene. No, he's quite an, And you're like, and I'm like, dude, use this platform to promote what you do. Because this particular guy has got his own range of clothes as well that go with the shoes. Okay. I'm like, 
as much as like Nike give you shoes and stuff, they're not going to promote your clothes. So come on the platform, talk about your clothes, talk about why you did it. Talk about, you know, like the original Branson. He's like, yeah, cool. I'm busy this day. I'm busy. Two years. So why was he reluctant? And, uh, I don't know. Today. I don't know. And then I waited for the very last day of filming. I was taking it to the colorist. And I said to the colorist, please. He wanted it Friday. I said, can I have it Monday? Can you have it Monday? Please, please, please. And he's like, all right, cool. And up until Sunday night at 6 o'clock, this guy had been shown. And I called him, and he's like, oh, well, you know what it is, do it next week. I was like, there is no next week, bro, it's two years. And that's that. Has he hit you up since? And, uh, no. <laughs> you should send him a copy of the film. I should do, actually, yeah. Yeah, do that. For him to tell me he didn't like it, and he'd be glad that he went in Whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. 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 But we're just like, yeah. Cool. All right, Um, will we... I was going to ask when it, when when will this be available to view? You've done. I know you've held a couple of screenings. Um, well, and... the UK premiere is scheduled for the 29th of August. That's the day after the Notting Hill Carnival. No, wait. I'm gonna. No, I'm not gonna be there. Wait, yes, 29th. Yeah, that's the Tuesday. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. Are there. you not coming for Carnival? No, bro. Don't. don't... Just let's not get into that. Right, everyone switch off. Don't bother listening. Ah, uh, you're an idiot. Don't even... No, it, it doesn't look like I'm going to be there for Carnival. It's, it's, it's breaking my soul. But, um, it's, yeah, anyway. Oh, man. All right, all right. So, yeah, 29th, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated with um, information and details for the screening. Right. Now, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, boys and girls, anyone who's been listening to this last uh, podcast, for to this podcast for the last, I don't know, hour and a bit, um, do... If this has triggered any nostalgic memories, um, sort of any 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 memories of of trainers and clothing that you wore back in the day, I urge you jump on the website, donate what you can. Um, nothing's too small and nothing's too big. Um, donate what you can. Let's help Emil um, increase his. Uh, his fan his, his fan count and his 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 popularity even more let's get him across the <laughs> world um let's help make this film let's 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 stamp our presence in this game let's be heard um so please give what you can and share share you'll be surprised what one share can do so i'll put the information on my socials please do share emil i want to thank you so much for your time i know i've, I've had you sat no, in the car for so you. long Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for being an inspirational hero to me. Anyway, this guy, this guy. And I know that because I'm now appearing on this podcast. This guy. Blow up this and I guy. Really... Whatever, whatever. In my fact, guy. no, you, my you. Guy. In fact, my my listens are gonna are gonna increase tenfold now that you're on my podcast. But we'll leave it there. Um, any last, any closing <laughs> words? No. Um, when you're in London every Sunday, check out Got Soul at South Place Hotel. We can love nice it. One. Thank cool you, sir. Cat lovely ladies, all of those things. And um, yeah, please listen to this podcast because you'll have much better guests on than me. And yeah, see what you're doing, bro. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying to be like you. I want to be like you, bro. And I'm I'm trying to be like you. This guy, this guy. Anyway, big up. Thank you so much. Um, Until next time, peace. peace.